0: I think throughout the rest of my life, I will never take for granted the ability for a few hundred people to be able to get together in person again. There's a connection and electricity, it is really special.
1: Well, everyone, I am pleased to share with you that I am talking with Matt Lehrman today, who is our keynote speaker for our annual conference coming up on June 21 through the 24th. So Matt Lehrman is going to be talking to us about conflict to conversation, and we are thrilled to have you be our closing keynote speaker, Matt. So let's uh, give our attendees and our audience out there an opportunity to get to know a little bit more about you. So tell us about you.
0: Thanks, Tanya. I'm delighted to be with you today, and I'm really looking forward to being with you uh, later this month. So um, my company is Social Prosperity Partners, and uh, along with my business partner, who is a former city manager from here in my hometown in Scottsdale, Arizona, we came upon the idea that social prosperity is the wealth that's created when people work together courageously. And this idea that when people are respected and they're heard, that there is a level of dialogue that we can accomplish things together uh, as a community. And so um, this this whole talk of of getting from conflict to conversation is about how do we bring people together and we know that these are really divisive times. So my overall mission is to help your members and help officials throughout the state create social prosperity in their own communities.
1: No, we so appreciate that. You know, as we were chatting earlier when we first connected, I talked about this this desire for reconnection with our members and our attendees and collaboration and that really being a, a theme to, to weave throughout the entire conference. And we're so pleased that you're going to be there to kind of put the bow on that and tie it up at the end for us on on Friday. So tell us a little bit about what you plan to talk about. Give us a sneak well, peek.
0: Thanks. So it's, um, first off, remind me, this is your first time getting together as an association in a couple of years. Is that right?
1: Yes. The last time we were together was in 2019 in Spokane.
0: You know, let's just talk about that for a second. It is really special to be able to get together in person again. And I think throughout the rest of my life, I will never take for granted the ability for a few hundred people from all over the state to be able to get together and be together in person. There's something that happens when we're together. There's a connection and electricity, uh, a sharing of of ideas and excitement and openness that we just don't get through any other means. And I'll share with you that I've done this same talk recently um, for the state associations in North Dakota, Tennessee, uh, Texas, South Carolina, I've been uh, in Kansas recently. I know I'm missing one and and forgive me for it. But um, in all of those, when I've stood up in front of of the audience, I've asked everyone just to stand up and look everyone, you know, kind of make a circle and look around and make eye contact with everyone else and applaud everyone else to recognize that we're able to have this opportunity to be together. And that same sense, Tanya, that sense of togetherness actually translates really well to the substance that I'm going to be talking about. Because when you think about the residents of our communities, they want to be together as well. And in order for them to feel respected and heard, they need to be not just on Zoom and not just watching proceedings on cable, you know, on the cable channel or whatever. They need to be there. They need to be seen. They need to be recognized. And our job as civic leaders is to make them feel respected and heard. And we do that by welcoming them and by going through a number of skills that make it possible for us to demonstrate sincerely, genuinely, authentically that we are welcoming them And that we are listening deeply to what they have to say. So I'll tell you, the structure of my presentation is really simple. I'm going to start by asking everyone in the audience to answer two questions. And I use an interactive technology so it all appears right there on the screen in front of everyone. And the first question I'm going to ask is, how do people in your community feel as they emerge from moments of civic engagement? Whether it's attending city council or meeting with the mayor or whatever it is. And the second question I'm going to ask is, how should people feel as they, uh, as they have their civic engagement? And I'm very careful. I don't see the answers as they appear in my screen. But what I hear in other communities is that people feel angry and frustrated and upset. And what civic leaders tell me is that, that they want people to feel valued and heard and respected. And if and I don't know what it's going to be when we sit down with, with all these leaders from across the state of Washington, but if that division occurs, that's exactly what I'm here to help is to figure out how do we bridge, how do we get people from all this conflict and disrespect and frustration that they're feeling, and how do we move them to a place where they really feel connected and we are, again, creating this sense of community and productivity that's important to make our communities viable.
1: That's great. I'm looking forward to that. So you talked about traveling around lately across the nation and and giving this presentation. What are some of the common threads or themes that you're hearing from our colleagues out there?
0: I'm going to tell you this very candidly, and this is not a reflection just on the states where I've delivered this for other state associations. This seems to be going on nationally. This feeling that we live in divisive times, and that this divisiveness shows up at every level of local government, whether you're a a big city or a small town, everything in between, that this feeling of, of, um, of a lack of trust, a lack of transparency, a lack of accountability, like this is permeating everything. And the overall feelings that I'm hearing are people are concerned that in a democracy, with people who are free to make choices, that somehow we have lost, well, we've lost the civility of our civil society, but worse than that, we've lost the ability to find things that we want to uh, 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 say are common goals. We've lost the ability to, in our communities, to say there are great things that we can achieve if only we can agree on them. So there's a part of my talk that is you know, idealistic, and and I will I will give you that, and I will readily admit to it. But not everything in a community, uh, in, in a civic discussion, should be about uh, um, divvying up the pie. Some place in our community, we have to grow the pie. Some place, we have to say there are things that we can do beyond where we are today. I'll, I'll give you an example, Tanya. Um, When I'm called in to facilitate a conversation in a community about long-term strategic planning or visioning or things like that, I often start with these very two simple questions. I ask the people who are assembled, I say, and I give them an index card or something. I say, you got to write this down. What is something in your community that exists today, thanks to the efforts of people in your community more than 20 years ago? It can be a building, it can be a program, it can be anything, it can be something that was preserved with the decision, but the decision was made more than 20 years ago. And just by writing it down, what I imagine we're doing is sending a thank you note back in time, even if we don't remember who the people are and what challenges they had to go through to build that thing or make this thing happen or preserve that old building or whatever, we don't remember it, but we know that today we appreciate it. Then the second question is, um, what might we decide today or invest in today or recognize today that people 20 years in the future would thank us for? And when we can put ourselves in that mindset, deeply appreciative of the past and empowered to think about the future, then we are moving our, our community at at the massive level that it deserves to be. So everything in my presentation, what you're gonna hear from other communities, um, it, it all it all revolves around, we're all craving the ability to get back up to this altitude of expectation and not just have it be pie in the sky, um, rose colored glasses, future, that we actually can take steps today. We can find the agreement today, to identify things that move our, our communities forward in ways that create betterment, togetherness, spirit, and pride. That's what we're hearing. Is there is this note of optimism? That's why at the end of every one of my presentations, people come up to me and they're they're grateful. I hope this happens in Washington. I guess I, I should got to be careful saying this in, in advance. But people are generally are genuinely appreciative. Of optimism that there is a way to move forward that isn't cynical and it isn't out of fear.
1: Mm-hmm. I love that. It really ties nicely with the event. You know, we really. We really focused on having a theme for for each day. And and the first day of the conference is about reconnecting, right? Mm. We're all coming back together. The second day is about realigning and just kind of resetting where we're at with our priorities, with our processes, with our tools. And then Friday, when you come in, it's about renew and renewing. And it seems so fitting for what you're talking about here and the takeaways that I'm excited that our members will have an opportunity to hear from you. So when you think about coming to Washington State and you're giving this closing session, what's the biggest takeaway that our attendees can look forward to from you?
0: Actually, I love the way that you described the three phases of the conference and that the last day is about renewal. And actually, I think that would have been my answer is, I hope that people will stick around long enough at the conference. I know sometimes people get busy and they got to get back to the office or, you know, get on with their their weekend or whatever. But I really hope folks will stay and take advantage of the renewal. That's what's needed most of all in in this time period is not just the substantive, um, you know, uh, information we need to receive to be professional and current and aligned with everything that's going on. To emerge with a sense of renewal is exactly what I hope the big deliverable is that I'm able to, to offer. And so I will promise that um, I will give the attendees not just pie in the sky theory. We're going to talk about what are uh, the values that you're going to bring back to your community. I'm not going to tell you what they are up front, but we are going to talk about values. We're going to talk about um, giving giving your residents what they want. And what they want is something that the members, the people who attend this, the conference are going to answer. We're going to talk. Oh, here's the big one. <laughs> We're going to talk about courageous conversations. We're going to talk about what makes a conversation courageous. And I'll, I'll, I'll tell you this much. Oftentimes when I talk about courageous conversations, people say, well, there's the courage of the first responder and the courage of the person in the military to rush toward danger and that's not what I'm going to be talking about as a courageous conversation. There's a second type of courage where someone will stand their ground, you know, defend the point, draw a line in the sand, the captain goes down with the ship, and I'm also not going to talk about that type of courage either, although that's a real type of courage as well. The type of courage that I'm going to focus about is the courage to be open-minded, perhaps to be vulnerable. The courage to be able to listen to someone with whom you disagree and not have the knee jerk reaction to dismiss them and say they're in they're uninformed or they're ignorant or they're crazy but instead to actually engage in the conversation to use the words tell me more before you jump into confrontation say tell me more and understand what their perspective is how they not what not what necessarily what their objection is or what their position is, but tell me how you got there. What's your life story? What's your experience that makes that position reasonable from your perspective? If we understand how other people, not just what their positions are, but how they came to it. And one of the things that, that I learned doing this a lot, I have a podcast, by the way, called Tell Me More, which is ah. exactly this kind of a thing you discover that people's positions are not just, you know, rational, informed decisions where they've done the analysis and they've created their spreadsheet and they figured out the best way to do it. Oftentimes our positions are based on our family history. They're based in experiences that we had or our parents had or our grandparents had something that informed us. And we said, well, if that was true in my family history, then this is how I choose to see the world. Mm -hmm. And Tanya, when we take the time To say, tell me more, and understand that other people have reasonable ways of seeing what's going on, we can have more meaningful conversations. You want renewal? This is going to be renewal. We are going to, people who are going to stick around for the closing keynote are going to leave with substantive skills that they will use that day. And the next time they encounter someone who has a different opinion they're going to have a skill to be able to understand where they're coming from and have a conversation that, of course, hits the realm of civility. Civility is the minimum standard. But to get us from conflict to conversation, that's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing to be able to do in our society.
1: So, Matt, who is this message really intended for? When we think about who's in the ballroom that day, who do you hope shows up?
0: Tanya, that's a great question, because the most important thing is that this is not just the realm of elected officials. This is uh, elected officials at every level, appointed officials and commissioners and things like that, as well as city managers and everyone else on the staff of cities. In fact, there have been times where after this, I've been asked to come to cities and give this exact same presentation to all the staff at every level of a city, because the message is that, uh, among other things, that we have to deal with our residents and, and the citizens of our community with a level of what I'm going to talk about in the conference uh, in the keynote as emotional intentionality. And so when we talk about emotional intentionality, we're not talking about changing the minds of the people who come to us, whatever emotions they bring, they are entitled to on their own. But at every level, from the mayor on down to the person who is repairing the streets, at every level, we have to understand that our responsibility as civic, uh, as public servants is to respond to people's substance, but also to their emotion. So where there are people who are angry, we know that we have to remain calm, right? Where people are disgusted because they just, they're frustrated and they're feeling certain ways, we need to not fight them and not add fuel to it. We need to respect them. We need to give them channels for their disgust, their anger, their annoyance, but also at the same time, There are people who come to us who are joyful. We solved a problem for them. We made things happen and we need to associate with that. We can't, we can't harsh their joy, right? If people are feeling happy, let's not throw, you know, bureaucracy and policy at them. Let's be attentive to it and go, Hey, you look happy. And the person says, yes, I am happy. And let, let it be known that someone at at our city or town recognized your happiness Every level deserves this level of intentionality, and we can be that purposeful throughout our entire community. So yeah, elected, appointed, and staff at every level, everyone has an opportunity, everyone has a responsibility to move their community from conflict to conversation.
1: Oh, I love that. Thank you so much. I think one of the things that I want to make sure people recognize is you are not going to want to miss this closing session. I want you to mark (laughs) your calendars right now, Friday, June 24. Matt will be going on at 930 and he'll be finishing up at 1045. And so what a great way to finish out the conference. What a powerful message and an opportunity uh, that you're bringing us to engage and really leave the event with a whole set of tools, a whole set of ways of thinking and to serve reconnection and renewal uh, is very powerful. And Matt, I want to thank you. And I so am looking forward to seeing you in Vancouver.
0: I'm still looking forward to it as well. Thank you so much, Tanya.